Welcome to the Dream Mentorship Podcast, where we interview everyday women making a difference in their lives and communities. From doctors to stay-at-home mamas, CEOs who work hard with no drama, this is where you come to dream and be inspired. Because at Dream Mentorship, we believe that every dream is valid. Here's our host and founder, Mac Jane Creighton. Hey, podcast family, welcome back to another week of the conversations that we get to have here every week. As you know, we bring uh, an inspirational woman who has a story to tell. And our guest today is someone that you all probably can relate to. Maybe not everybody, but uh, a lot of women can probably relate to her. And just before we got on the podcast, I was sharing with her how much I can connect and relate to her story. I'm not a lawyer, um, so that's a hint that our our guest today is a lawyer. She's actually a first-generation lawyer, and she was the first in her family to, to attend law school. She's actually originally from Hawaii, and she attended the Gonzaga Law School here in Washington, D.C., and today we have the phenomenal opportunity to get to hear her story firsthand of how she got to where she is right now. Uh, she started her legal career as associate uh, corporate counsel for a tech startup um, company in Seattle, Washington, and and she's doing amazing things. So I'm not going to take too much time reading a lot of her bio because I want to kind of break it down and get to a lot of the in-betweens in her bio uh, and her story um, so you all can get to hear it firsthand. So I, I'm so excited today to have you on the podcast, Sarah Fukuhara. Yeah, well, thank you for saying yes and coming on the podcast today. I'm excited to dive right into your story, Sarah. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, Thank you so much for the opportunity. Awesome. So I just want to dive in because before we got on the uh, podcast um, recording, I was just sharing with you how I was considered a crybaby. And I still cry a lot. Um, I'll see myself in situations I get so emotional uh, and cry over. I mean, when I'm happy, I cry. When I'm sad, I cry. (laughs) Um, So there, there are a lot of things that just make me cry. And um, that's not a story that a lot of people talk about often. I mean, sometimes you say, oh, she's just an emotional, she's just a drama queen. You know, if you see um, a, a little girl who cries, oh, she's just being a diva, she cries so much, or oh, she's just a crybaby, you know, they'll kind of like push you to the side. Um, but it was interesting, um, your story that went viral on LinkedIn, um, it was, it's interesting that a lot of people actually resonated with that. And to, and I thought it was interesting that your parents put you in special education because of how much you cried. So let's start from there. We're going to unpack it. I'm sure anyone who's listening is like, wait, wait, what, wait a minute. What's going on here? What's the conversation about all the crying and stuff? Um, so kind of give us a little bit of background story uh, of, of all the, all of that. Yeah. Um, so I guess most recently, and then I can back date that a little bit um, for some context, Uh, It was just a random Wednesday night, which I am told is not when most people post on LinkedIn. I've learned my lesson there um, because it doesn't really attract most people. And that really was not my intention. Uh, One of the things that my current mentor, who's my supervisor at my job, encouraged me to do uh, just at the end of last year was to create a growth plan. And part of that was to be vulnerable and to be willing to share my story because she thought that there was value in it. 
Um, and so I posted on LinkedIn and shared something with my kindergarten picture where I am clearly in tears or had just finished crying. I was not happy. There's not a smile on my face. Um, and I had shared that I grew up crying nearly every day. And, you know, I tell people that sometimes and they think that's an exaggeration. It's, it's really not. I cried every single day of kindergarten, every single day of first grade. And then I cried most days there after that. And before then as well, um, I cried so much that in elementary school, the school that I was at, I was in a public elementary school in Hawaii. They just didn't know what to do with me anymore. The teachers just were kind of spent. They did not have the resources. They just couldn't be there for me and they didn't know how to be there for me. Um, and so at the time, the best course of action in the school's mind was we need to sit down with her parents and we need to put her in special education. This is not working. She like she needs something more and we don't know what that is. We can't help her. And so I got placed into a special education class. Uh, I went in combination with the other things that I was going to. Um, and it was a very odd opportunity because when you're young like that, you don't always understand what's happening. You just go where you're told right? You kind of build that in. Okay. I need to go to and report to the class with the yellow door at the end of the hall. Um, and you do that and you don't question it and you go, and then you start to realize, okay, something's different here. And you don't know what it is. My parents, they, when they got the letter in the mail and the phone call from the school, my mom was heartbroken. She just didn't understand. Uh, she didn't know what to do. My dad just didn't talk. My dad does not talk normally. And so they both just kind of were perplexed because they knew that I cried a lot, but they also didn't realize how much of a problem that was seen as. And they also didn't know what to do to help me. My mom says to this day, after seeing that LinkedIn post go viral, um, she's just astonished that people could relate to my story because for them, they were in the trenches, they were dealing with it every day and they were trying to find a way to help me, but they also didn't know. Right. And I kind of want to cut into that because as a parent, um, it can be hard um, trying to help your child and not knowing how to, you know, or, um, and I see that a lot too. Um, sometimes, I don't know if it's intentionally or int unintentionally, people give you that look in public. If your child is, you know, is crying, it's kind of like, what are you doing? Uh, and I don't know what's going on in people's minds, but I remember um, um, when my daughter was about a year or two years old, uh, we had gone to the store and she just had a meltdown um, over something I wasn't, you know, I had made, made up my mind. I wasn't going to, you know, buy her whatever she wanted. Um, so she had a meltdown and she was on the floor of the store that we're in. And people were looking at me like, why aren't you going to pick her up? What are you going to do? And I just stared at her. I just waited for her to, you know, get herself together. And I picked her up afterwards. And, and that moment for me, I remember it clearly because it's, it felt like, um, a liberation, like I don't have to answer to people anymore. I don't have to tell them why my daughter is crying or, you know, I don't have to feel ashamed as a parent. Like, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassing the whole store. Um, and can you talk from that angle? I don't know if your parents ever shared with you, um, but how did that shape how, they, how you were, I mean, that parent-daughter relationship as a child and now that you are, you know, you're, you are into your own career? Yeah, um, I don't have kids, but um, I'm very, very close to my family. 
Uh, my cousins feel like my siblings. So when we all go through something, when someone goes through something, we're all going through it together. Uh, so with my parents, you know, for how often I cried, everyone else in my family was kind of trying to be there for them and be there for me. And I can feel it when I look back now um, as an adult, looking back to when I was younger, um, what I thought was just my mom being so highly involved in my life was mm. because when you're a parent and you see your child going through a tough time, whether they are crying, whether they are stressed, whatever it may be, you want to fix it. You want mm. to pick them up and you want to place them where they need to go. You want to help them. And it doesn't change no matter how old you get. Um, I am an adult now and I will call my mom and I'm stressed at work or I'm stressed about life. Um, and she's just pained over the phone and she's trying to offer advice. And sometimes, you know, all you want to do is vent and she's not <laughs> understanding why I'm getting frustrated with her. And I realized that that's the adult manifestation of what it was like when I was younger, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you want to fix everything and sometimes there's no solution uh, and you have to lean into that and be okay with it. Um, but when it came to parenting me as a crybaby, and that is what I was called uh, still to this day, um, they leaned into loving me a lot more than I think I ever understood. Uh, I still maybe cannot fully fathom it, but my mom tried everything to look for opportunities to kind of involve me with something. You know, she thought maybe the solution was I needed more friends or I needed an outlet. I needed something that like I could be passionate about. And so she put me into every little thing that you can think of dance, piano, most of those things. I did not continue after a while because I ended up crying so much when she took <laughs> me there. Um, but she tried all of that. And I know I, when I was younger, I was frustrated. I didn't want to go to those things. And I, I cried. I didn't want to be there. Um, but in hindsight now, it was my mom's way of trying to figure out what she could do to help me. Mm -hmm. um, and she tried to involve me in things. She tried to play to the things that maybe I was interested in, or I liked to do, like, I liked to read and I liked puzzles. And so she leaned into that and would, that my parents would try to do those things with me or would find outlets for that. And I am so grateful to them for not giving up, even though I definitely probably put up a fight in their mind for how often I cried, right? It never really got better as uh, overnight and the one solution never worked or you had to keep trying and you had to just keep being there. And I think that was tough. Um, I think after time they realized part of the reason why I was crying was I just love my family so much and I'm so attached to them that going to school, I had no one that I felt like was family mm. and that felt hard. And that was the most difficult thing in the world to go to this new environment with complete strangers and then they change him every year and you know you have to get used to it all the time you have to get used to your teacher all the time and sometimes wow. you just don't mesh and that's normal um and as soon as they realized that uh, I think they leaned even more into the pillar that our family is and we do more as a family now than I think most families do um but that's because that's what helped me personally so Wow, I love that. I never thought about it from that angle of you get new friends every year and, you know, you change classroom. That I'm sure a lot of people are like, yes, girl, you're speaking my mind. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you talked about imposter syndrome and feel, that feeling of inadequacy. And um, like I said, a lot of things that you share are things that many, many women um, are going through or went through. Um, so 
you know, this feeling of like you were in a job, for instance, you're a lawyer now and everybody's probably going to be looking at you like, oh my gosh, you have everything together. But you, you also share this vulnerable part of you that shares that, you know, sometimes I do feel inadequate. And I share, and I and I and I can connect with that too because sometimes in whether you're in, you're in a position or whatever thing you do in life or you feel in quotes accomplished, people look at you and put you on a stethoscope or put you in this level like, oh yeah, you're accomplished, you have this, you know, you have X Y Z, you definitely have it together. But inside of you, you just want to be under the covers and just stay there in your bed. You're like, yeah, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be in this meeting. I, I mean, I'm heading up this whole team. Me, how did tiny me get to the get to do this? Um, so can you talk about that and how maybe some tips of how you are able to um, deal with that on a daily basis, especially in your position? Yeah, um, I learned about imposter syndrome when I was in law school because I did not know what the feeling was. You can recognize that you're feeling something, but sometimes you don't know what it's called or that there is even a term for it. You just kind of feel off and you feel out of place. Um, so I learned about it in law school, which I hear uh, now is pretty normal um, that everyone feels that way. And then it just continues, you know. I thought that it would end. And I think one tip there is, uh, and I read it in a book recently that we are reading for our team. Um, it's called Love is a Business Strategy. And uh, one line in the book stood out to me. And it said, and it was a reality check that imposter syndrome doesn't go away. It's going to still be there. Mm -hmm. And part of it is you just need to accept that. Um, and that's hard. Accepting that that feeling may just never disappear is hard because you want it to go away. You don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, and so one thing that I have kind of learned in my first year as an attorney is I will always feel that way, but what causes me to feel that way may change over time. Uh, it may be my career. It may be that I am moving into a different life stage personally in my relationships, right? You may always feel that way and that's okay and it's normal, Um the second thing is, and I think it goes back to the purpose of this podcast is finding people that you can surround yourself with. And I say people loosely because it doesn't have to be a huge community of people. It can be one person. You can start with one. You can build that up from there, but finding people who care about you as a person who are going to be there for you when you need it and who are going to be there for you, especially when you don't know that you need it um, is really important. I found that and I found that in my team that I'm currently on and I could not be more grateful. Um, and then I think, you know, good things come in threes, right? So <laughs> I think my third tip, just in combating or just dealing and learning to live with imposter syndrome is being vulnerable and being authentic. It does not help anyone. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help others to just let that sit and fester and live in your own self and boil over to a point where, you know, now you don't know really what to do and no one can really help you at that point. It's, it's more valuable to your team or to the people around you and to people who don't know you to be vulnerable and authentic. And I think that showed in the fact that I, I posted that thing on LinkedIn and it reached more people than I ever imagined. Um, and it was me being me. And I just didn't understand it. I turned off all of my notifications, still have them turned off to this day because I just couldn't fathom why or how so many people felt 
like that was something they could relate to. I just was being me and everyone's like, wow, you're just, you can write or you can tell your story. In my mind, I just leaned to my partner and said, I don't know what they mean. Like I just was being who I am. That's what I was told to do. And that's what's valuable. I've realized Um, it helps build a stronger team. It helps build a stronger foundation with your relationships. And it leaves things less to a question mark because people know where you're coming from. They know your personality. They know, you know, your quirks. And now they know that that's just who you are and that's okay. Yeah. And I'm curious, have you always wanted to be a lawyer? Because, you know, um, for, for someone listening, it's like, how did a crybaby become a lawyer? And being a law, being a lawyer is hard. <laughs> um, and yeah. I'm always so curious. And, you know, it's always funny to me. I've never, my, my dad used to always want me to be a lawyer. So he used to push me in that direction. And, and I'm not a lawyer. Um, so, um, and one of, you know, when you watch movies and you see the lawyers, they speed out yeah. all of this things and they're so smart and they're so well-dressed and everything um it's oh I'm always I love um love movies anything related to the legal stuff I'm watching it um of course I know it's not the same as going to the school um, <laughs> but it's, it's always just so interesting to me to see like the the tenacity the power that comes with that job and I just I always feel like they are so smart like how do you know all these terms how do you know you know what um lord what citation you're going to quote and all this it's just so amazing to me so I'm looking at you saying I cried a lot and I still (laughs) cry and now you have to stand in front of people or do your law thing um I'm, I'm blown away way so can you just kind of walk me through what that is like and at what point in your life did you decide that you're going to go to law school yeah um I think like a lot of people I did not know what I wanted to do um you know I went to undergrad I got my bachelor's degree like in my mind and in my family that was the expectation right you're going to go and you're going to do that then you're going to go and work or you're going to figure out the next thing but you got to go to school and you got to get a job so I did that. Um, I worked for a couple of years. Um, I worked for my sorority's national headquarters at one point and traveled a little bit and worked with schools in the South and in the Midwest, which very different than what I grew up in, in Hawaii. Um, and slowly over time, I realized I knew I wanted to go back to school. So it started with that. And I weighed whether I should get an MBA or whether I should get a JD. And kind of in that process, I realized, okay, even if I don't know exactly what I want to do, you can still do a lot with a JD that you can't with an MBA, right? It, it opens a little bit more doors. It adds credibility to your name. So I knew I was going to go back to school on a whim, took the LSAT, applied to law school. It just was going to see where it shook out. Um, and then at one point, uh, just before law school and prior or after I had applied, I was working for the Hawaii State Legislature. Uh, I was working for a state representative for a district that I don't live in, but uh, it's on a different island. And just thought, okay, why not? Like, see this this part of kind of politics or the law, right? And it was fascinating to me to realize that what lawmakers do, what politicians do, impact the lives of so many people. Now, whether they have good intentions or not, uh, whether the law is good or not, uh, it's it's very subjective. It depends on who you are, but it impacts people and it matters. And you need people who care, and you need people who want to do right by others. And that's hard sometimes. Um, 
But it was fascinating to me to realize that's something that you could do with a legal degree. You could help shape the laws that impact your community, your families, your grandparents. And that seems cool to me. And I was like, all right, law school, that seems right. I'm going to, maybe I'll do policy work. Uh, and I went to law school and as I was taking classes, I was reading the books and answering cold calls in class. I realized, oh shoot, I don't know if I can do this <laughs> for the very reason that you mentioned. I knew I cried a lot. I knew that I was just a very empathetic and, uh, in tune with my feelings type of person. And that is not what I was seeing. Right. I thought, Oh shoot, this isn't a place for me. I don't fit. And I went mm -hmm. through that for three years up until the very end of my legal, like my law school education. Um, I didn't see a place that I fit. I thought I saw things and heard people say, Oh, Sarah, you can do this. And it's like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Like I, I want to be a people pleaser. I'm like, yeah, of course I'll do the very thing that you are telling me to do. But inside, I never felt, it just didn't feel like me. I didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in. Um, and eventually, you know, you find people throughout your career and through your experience that want to help you. And it's okay if you tell them that that's not a good fit. Um, and my career development dean at my law school, she said, you know what? I have someone in mind. Just hold tight, Sarah. Let me reach out to her. Let me see if there's something there. Um, and she reached out to my current mentor and said, I have a student are you willing to take her for an externship where she's working for you for academic credit? Like, please. And eventually, you know, we met and she said, yeah, let's take a chance on her. Um, and I worked for her at her former company uh, with her former team. And I was doing an in-house externship. And I will admittedly say that the whole experience, I thought I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> but that's also what I thought for three years. Still think that sometimes. Um, and I just felt so out of place. I didn't think like I mattered. I didn't think I was doing a good job. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're, you're your harshest critic, so you don't always see what other people see. Um, and I left that experience though, thinking, wow, this is something I could do. This is not what I thought. This is not what I saw on TV. This is not what I saw in law school. Like what? Um, and I think that for anyone who's considering the law for anyone who is even remotely interested in law school, but thinks they can't do it for whatever reason, whether it is access, which is a very real problem, or it is your personality type, or it's that you don't feel comfortable speaking, because I don't, um, it's normal, it's okay. And there's so much out there and law school and your experience thus far is only gonna scratch the surface of it. Uh, what you need to do is to have those people who are A, willing to go to bat for you, but if you don't have that, be willing to go to bat for yourself um, and to find other things that might interest you. And if it's even a remote interest, it's worth pursuing because you never know. You're interested for a reason. So why not take a chance? Um, and I think what I went through law school thinking was every experience is good. It may not be the experience that you wanted and it may not have panned out the exact way that you had hoped. Your dream may have been to be a prosecutor or a public defender. And you do that and you're like, oh no, this did not fit. And that's okay. That's a good experience because you learned something new and you learned something about yourself. And I think going through law school with that mindset and then finding my externship that I did that led to my current career was the best thing for me because I realized that you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. You don't have to be abrasive or aggressive to be an attorney. 
you you don't have to be an extrovert to be an attorney. And I think that everyone has these like misconceptions that you have to be a specific way or have specific traits to be successful and to do the certain career. And you just don't. You find the thing that fits for you and you you pursue it. Um, and it's hard to find the thing that fits you. That's the hardest part. But once you get there, it it feels right. And I think that's valuable. Wow, you 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 unpack you unpacked a lot right there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, which which direction do I want to go now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I really, really love a lot of things that you mentioned. I'm hoping that our podcast listeners that they are taking notes and like kind of jumping, you know, in their heart today with this conversation. Um, but just before we, you know, we wrap up, I want to talk about you talked about very important elements. Um, I, um you talked about your career development coach and your current mentor and how they shaped who you've become today um and i know a lot of times especially for dream mentorship that's what we're all about having women um have access to mentors or someone to help them be, you know know find who they are discover themselves and you know have that clarity and confidence to go live their dreams um, Talk about how that, you know, already you've kind of highlighted that and we can see who you are. So we know that definitely having mentors or having people to guide you and your family support, those things are important to you and they've shaped who you've become. But I want you to speak to someone who is hesitant to get help, who has the either the feeling of inadequacy or, you know, and saying, you know, well, I don't even know where to start. I'm, I'm just there. I'm, I'm here in my room. Nobody understands me. I don't fit. Uh, I, people don't get me. I hear that a lot. I, actually, I do have a young woman I'm going to send this podcast to. Um, that was her exact question. And she was feeling frustrated because she felt like nobody can get her. Um, so I want you to speak to her, really. Yeah. Um, talk to her and kind of guide her on the best approach to get mentors and get connected to the support that she needs. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting because you see people and you think they have it all figured out and you think that they have the mentor that they did because they just like did something right. And you want to know what the magic secret sauce is to do that. Um, and there isn't, there, there isn't one way to do something. And I think that that's great because you can tailor it to who you are and your personality. Um, you know, I have a great family and support system there, but I didn't know how to ask for help. That was, that's one of my biggest struggles in life is being okay asking for help because same goes to that woman out there. I don't think people understand me sometimes and it's it's a struggle um, and it's taking a chance. And so, you know, it helps on one end if you have people who are just kind of taking notice to you and wanting to help you out and trying to send your name to someone else. Um, or if you are thinking, you know what, this is the risk that I'm going to take today. This is the risk I'm taking for the month. I'm gonna reach out to one person. Um, and you know, you might get a lot of misses. I don't want to say that every single person is going to respond to you because that's just not reality. Um, but there's going to be someone and all it takes is the first person. Um, my, uh, partner, he and I met in law school and he didn't have a network when we moved to Seattle. Um, I only had the one mentor that I had, uh, from law school and it took, you know, reaching out to my mentor to say, look, he, my, my boyfriend, he wants to meet more people, um, how to do that. How should he do that? And she's like, you know what, let me talk to him. I'll send him names, right? It takes <laughs> finding people who are willing to kind of reach into their network. Um, 
it takes reaching out to people. Um, I had someone reach out to me on LinkedIn and just say like, Hey, I saw your post. And it was one of the messages that I finally got to, um, and said, yeah, like, let's set up a time to meet. And there are more people out there who want to help others. They're just waiting for someone to say, Hey, I find you interesting. Please talk to me. And they don't have to be someone who is in your exact career path. So if part of the hesitation is, I don't feel like I'm understood but I also don't know what I want to do or I don't know what type of person I want to reach out to. So that's why I'm not going to reach out to someone. Don't let that stop you. I think find someone that you can either personally relate to or someone that you admire or that you think is cool. And it starts as simple as that. Um, you know, I would recommend sending them a message on LinkedIn, or if you can find their email, sending them an email message is great too. Um, or going to networking events. And that's tough. Like I went to a networking event a few weeks ago and I just had stage right. It was, it was, it was was an awful experience. I, the people were wonderful. And the whole time I just couldn't break out of who I was and it was so hard. Um, but it's also, you know, finding people in your life, whether they are a friend or not to go with you to those things. And Mm -hmm. you're going to find people who want to go with you or who care about you enough as a person to go. Um, And then, you know, in any job that you have, no matter what type of job it is, whether it is because you have a professional degree or you are working in a retail store, because that's what I did at one point, you know, you find people there that you like, um, that you like to be around, and then you just start having the conversation. Um, Literally just this time last year, I asked my current mentor, how do I find a mentor? And how do I kind of find someone that I can talk to? you have to talk to me because you are employing me right now as a student uh, to be here. So you're forced to talk to me. Um, And I didn't know what, you know, what that looked like. And she said, you know, all it takes is taking the one chance and reaching out to somebody. And sometimes that one chance turns into 10 and of those 10, it turns into 20. And of those 20 chances that you took, maybe one person bites. Mm. The one person who took, who decided to reach back out to you, they want to talk to you. They want to be there for you. And that's helpful. And she told me, you know, um, a lot of people like to talk about themselves. Uh, and so it's, it's taking it from the angle of, I want to learn more about you. Um, not coming into, you know, meeting someone with the idea of, I need to get a job. So I'm meeting with this person Mm -hmm. and all I'm going to, I'm not leaving until I come out with a job (laughs) and that's the wrong mindset, right? Like, you know, and people don't know that because no one tells you that that's not what you should be doing. You hear people get a job through their network and you're like, that's what I need to do then. Um, And it's more about connecting with people and taking an interest in who they are. And then in turn, they're going to take an interest in you, but you have to keep reaching out and you have to remember things about people because it matters. You can't just form a very surface level, arbitrary connection with someone and think that it's going to lead to something else. You have to invest in those relationships the same way that you would a personal relationship. Um, So, you know, I've made it a point in my mind, and it's important to me as a person that everyone on my team, I know something about their personal life. I know that they have a daughter and I know that their daughter loves to go outside. And I know that she likes this, that, or the other. And then I know you know, this other person, they don't celebrate this holiday. So I know not to mention that, or I know to reach out on certain times and say like, hope your daughter's doing well. I know her birthday's coming up. Like, you know, cheers to that. And it's remembering those little things that people go, wow, 
they cared about me more than just wanting to get something professional out of this. And then the next time they see a job, the next time they hear of someone that might be of interest to you, they will connect you. Um, and one really great question to ask someone is, do you have anyone else in mind that I might be able to talk to? Hmm. And they will connect you with someone else, but it takes asking because sometimes you're not going to remember that off the top of your head. So it's saying, you know, I'm interested in this. Let me talk to you about it. Let me talk about your story. And then ending your meeting or ending your email or whatever it is and saying, I enjoyed our conversation. Is it okay on the one end to keep reaching out to you? They're probably going to say yes. And if they don't have capacity, then they're going to tell you. Um, but then they'll tell you what to do in response and then asking them, um, you know, can I reach out to somebody else? Uh, do you have anyone in your network that you think would be a good person for me to talk to? And someone's probably going to respond with, yes, I have these 10 friends. Let me put you in touch with them. And that's your starting point. And you just keep going. And it's a lot of work and it's hard. Uh, it is not easy. And if you're an introvert, it's, it's even harder, um, but it's worth it. And at the end of the day, in five years from now, if that person that you met for coffee a couple times over the past three years says, I have this job and that person that I talked to a few years ago seems perfect, they're willing to help you. And I think that's all that matters is you just need someone to take a chance. Um, but in order to get there, sometimes you have to take a risk yourself and put yourself out there. Yes. Wow. A lot of wisdom in that. And I'm hoping that a lot of our young people are listening because we do get a lot of that. I've, I've seen that firsthand <laughs> where people brush through the you know relationship first or being authentic or getting to know the person. And they're like, yeah, I need a job. Can you give me a job? And it's like, who are you again? Um, <laughs> so it's important that you highlighted it and you walked through, you walked them through the steps of what they need to do and staying there and don't 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 you know reach out to somebody with the mindset of what I can get from them um and then I think I feel like that's where a lot of people make a lot of mistakes um yeah. they just feel like yeah I just met you and it's like okay what can I get from you as opposed to how can I serve you um our pastor just recently shared that this week so that has kind of been on my heart uh, throughout this week to you know to look for people and say how can I serve you how can I help you yeah. uh, what can I do to make your life better how can I add value to to your life um so it's interesting that you highlighted that because it's kind of been like the thing that's been going on in my head personally um uh, so i i was absolutely loved loved every aspect of what you just shared as we wrap up final question uh, and i really <laughs> want to continue this conversation um what would you say to your younger self um knowing what you know now and seeing how much growth you have experienced, what would you say to your younger self? Oh, that's tough. Um, there are so many things I wish I could tell little me. Um, because I think that if I met myself at five years old right now, that little girl would look up at me and say, you are not who I am. I am not. There's no way I'm going to become that. Um, and I, I sit here where I am right now and think, I don't think I've got it figured out. Um, and so I think that's the first thing is that it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. There are going to be things that pull you every which way and things that you cannot figure out. And you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes, but that's okay. It's normal. It's part of life. And you have to go through that to grow. But along the way of making those mistakes or along the way of finding your successes, no matter how big or how small, 
you're going to find people who are incredible, who you thought would not give you the light of day, and yet they want to. They believe in you. They care about you. They are going to invest in you, and you're not going to see it sometimes. Uh, and they're going to stretch you and challenge you to be better and to do more and to be your best self. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough, but it's going to be amazing uh, in the end. And I think uh, the other thing I would tell my little old self was uh, the team that you are working for right now, they are absolute rock stars. They do incredible work. They work incredibly hard. And they value you, whether you think you're making a contribution, whether you think you're moving mountains every day, they value you as a person, they care about you, they will be there for you. And that is the best thing that you could ever find. The work will always be easy and you may not like the work that you do, but finding people that you enjoy, that you want to surround yourself with every day is hard. It's harder than figuring out the work. Um, so when you find that treasure it, invest in it, appreciate it. Um, you know, I have amazing supervisors right now. I have amazing coworkers right now that have made my transition into my legal career as seamless as it could be. And I hope that one day I can do that for someone else. And so that would be the last thing is no matter how tough and easy something might seem or how great something might seem, and you might have it figured out or you may not. What's important is that you help someone else, whether it is someone every day, someone once a month, or someone who just has a question. For all the people that invested in you, you need to pay it forward as well. Um, that's the way that we keep it going. That's the way that we help people. Um, and that's the way that we show that the, the amount of investment that someone made into you was all worthwhile. Wow. Oh, gosh. That, that <laughs> definitely melted my heart uh, just listening to you um, share that. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been really, I truly, truly enjoyed this personally. I felt like you were talking to my heart and, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely, I, I think for the first time, I, I, I don't even know what to say to kind of put my put words of how I feel. Um, but thank you. I, I feel like a lot of people needed to hear that. I'm here thinking, I know a lot of people I'm going to send this personality to. So thank you so much for being vulnerable, being transparent and sharing your story with us. Uh, I truly, truly believe it's going to inspire someone um, to pay it forward and to be their very best in everything that they do. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I definitely will stay connected with you. You are such a beautiful soul and I'm excited about what the future has for you. Congratulations on everything that you're doing. I will definitely continue to follow your story. Thank you so much, McJane. Um, and thank you to the Dream Mentorship Podcast. I'm so honored um, that you reached out. I truly, truly appreciate it. I was so nervous, um, but you make it so easy um, to talk to you. And I think that just speaks volumes to what you're doing. So uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I am so appreciative to have been here.
Thank you. All right, people, this is where we end the podcast today. I hope you absolutely enjoyed it and you felt inspired by Sarah's story. Uh, I'm sure there are various aspects of this podcast today that you know somebody who can resonate with it or you yourself can. Please share with them. Leave us a review. Um, Just click the review button in whatever platform you're using to listen to your podcast today. We want to hear from you. If you enjoyed this, give us a five-star rating. We love that. Uh, And of course, if you want to share this with somebody else or share it on Facebook or LinkedIn or any other platform you use, we'll greatly appreciate that. And if you're looking to connect more with us, you can head over to our Instagram at Dream Mentorship or on our website and leave us a note. Uh, We definitely want to connect with you. If you're a young woman between the ages of 20 and 35, and some of the things that Sarah shared today, you resonate with it. If you feel inadequate and or you feel nervous or you feel less confidence or have less clarity in you know what you want to do with your life we have a summer program that is geared towards that uh, we will prepare you we'll prepare you with a mentor uh, we'll help you figure what's next for you you know discover yourself discover purpose and discover how you can add value to others and to yourself so head over to our website search for dream up experience on the services tab and you would get connected. If you have questions about that, if you need scholarship as well, reach out to our team at team at dreammentorship.org. We want to help you, want to be connected with you, okay? So until next time, make sure you're doing something this week uh, to, you know, help somebody, add value to somebody's life, you know, paid forward and, you know, never stop dreaming because your dream is absolutely valid. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening and going on a captivating journey of inspiration with us. If you'd like to learn more about Dream Mentorship and become part of the Dream Mentorship family, follow us on Instagram at Dream Mentorship or visit our website, dreammentorship.org. Feel free to send us a message and tell us what you loved about this podcast and our wonderful guest. This episode was edited by me, Evelyn Calvo. No matter what your dream is, we can help you make it a reality. And the first step is learning from other women living their authentic dreams. So come back next week for another episode.